1: Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now, the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. Exploring Missions exists to help American Family Radio carry out its mission statement, and that is to aid the church in sharing the good news of Christ, the Great Commission, at home and abroad. And today we're going to look at both of those and uh, because we're looking at a church here in America affecting a church and churches in a nation uh, elsewhere on the globe. So, you know, it's amazing. You can do that even in your own life. You may not have to go, but you can pray. And prayer... Does things. It changes things. So we pray that you would join us in praying for our countries that need to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our guest today here on Exploring Missions is Jack Hickey. Jack, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. It is good to be with you, as brother. I appreciate you. You're a student minister at Hillcrest Baptist Church in New Albany,
0: Mississippi. Yes, sir. And you've been there for a while. Right now, you're also in school. I am. I'm in seminary um, through New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. So.
1: Yeah. And uh so you can do two things at once. That's that's hard for me to chew and to walk at the same time, but I'm glad you can
0: do that. <laughs> it's tough at times, but it's it's, good. it's yeah. been good.
1: Student ministry is an amazing ministry and I know a lot of young guys when they and, and girls, uh when they start out in ministry, children and and youth, uh, the student ministry really is a place of beginning. It is a great place to begin because you got to have energy. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you definitely do. <laughs> Those guys that's been at it for years and years, and I was a student minister for for a year or so, and I think, man, how how do they do it? But uh, I think student ministry has changed a good bit. It started changing when I was doing it. Beforehand, all the student ministry did. Was uh, just about they would do Bible study, play games, and go on choir tours. But we it started changing back in my day when I was doing it to look at it from a missional point of view, and that's a vital part of student ministry now, isn't it? It is. It really is. And you have you're involved in it even locally, and but the one that we've wanted to talk about more than anything is the international mission. Your church, Hillcrest, has adopted a country and a church uh, on the globe to go in year after year. Now, 2020 may be a different year because of the the virus going around. But uh, the what's that country that you guys at Hillcrest have has ministered to several times?
0: Uh, Portugal. We've we've um, gone to Portugal several several times to uh, on mission trips to do some work there. And Portugal, for those of you that are not. Uh, you
1: know, geographically knowledgeable, is right next to Spain. Matter of fact, it's on the western part of the Iberian Peninsula, and it's a long, thin country. I don't know exactly the dimensions, but it's not very wide, but it is is relatively long. And so Portugal is a place, I remember when I was doing the interim work there at Hillcrest. Their pastor had not come yet, Charlie Davis, and I was uh, supplying during that time. The group went over there, and uh, they were so excited about going. They were excited about when they got back and what they saw God do. But Portugal, we think it's in Europe, and we don't think of Europe having people that, quote, unreached. But Portugal's... You know, they the percentage of evangelical Christians. They are pretty small. Isn't yeah,
0: it's it, pretty small. Um, evangelical Christians, even people who just profess even to be evangelical, is less than one percent. Um, probably about half of a percent. So, in a country of ten million people, um, it's it's very few who even confess to be a Christian.
1: That that is amazing. You would not think that, but you know, when I when I think about church history. And I think about all the things that took place in Great Britain, Germany, uh, you, know, er, you know, Switzerland, all those. You don't read much about what God was doing in Spain. Uh, you know, it was there. But God was at work in Spain. Matter of fact, I, I want to go back to the Bible, and I found this real interesting. And then we're, we're going to talk about uh, Portugal in more detail But Paul talked about it in Romans chapter 15, 22 through 29 when he was laying out his plans. It's Well, let me just read that. I I think it's so interesting. He says this, For this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts and having great desire these many years to come to you. Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you, if first I may enjoy your company for a while. Then he keeps on talking, and he talks about Spain again in verse 28. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. This is part of his desire to go to Spain. The book of Acts doesn't record that. We find him in Rome. And this is probably, uh, you know, at the end of his uh, house arrest. But when we read 2 Timothy, we find out he's back in Rome, but he's no longer under house arrest. He's in chains. He's in a dungeon, very difficult (laughs) to find. And the the thought is, as you put his letters that he wrote together, that he got out of Rome after house arrest and continued his journey to Spain and then came back and somewhere in Ephesus or Crete, he was arrested and brought back to Rome. So the speculation is that Paul made his way to Spain. Now, I know Spain and Portugal are two different countries, but it wasn't then. It was one area. We call it the Iberian Peninsula. I found that amazing. I remember mm-hmm. studying this, Jack, and I thought, you mean he got to go to Spain? And some think he may have even gone a little further. Uh, you know, Great Britain, we don't know. But that was part of the Roman Empire. So as a Roman citizen, he could travel there. Mm-hmm. So that was his desire. And and so let's get back to Portugal. And Hillcrest Baptist Church years ago decided that they were going to adopt, quote, adopt a country. The value in that is great. That means you don't go one time and come back. You go You go and come back and report. You find out what they're doing, and then you get to go back. There's great advantages to that, isn't there? There is.
0: So about... About three years ago, um, I went on a vision trip to Portugal uh, with our missions pastor, Tracy Atkins and our uh, children's pastor, Jason Blackburn. And we went, and we actually went to two different parts in Portugal, to Lisbon, which is the capital city, and uh, up north a little bit to Porto. And uh, Lisbon's actually where I spent my time in Portugal. I I spent about five months um, there two years ago, and I, I spent some time there working with some missionaries there. But we went just to kind of scout out the area just to see if that would be a good fit for us. And uh, just the lostness there really took hold of us, and uh, we, we decided this is a place where we need to go, where the gospel needs to be sent.
1: You know, a lot of times they think they need to go to South America, Africa, you know, Asia, far, the far furthest part of Asia. But right here in civilized Western civilization— is a country with less than one percent being a part of evangelical church, and that would be called darkness anywhere else, but right? Because of them, their education and so forth. Um, did Did you find that a lot of the folks f- saw their need for Christ or for anything that the church would offer?
0: A lot of people that I encountered, um, super nice people, some of the nicest people I've met, but they didn't necessarily see a need. Um, they don't have the physical needs that um, a lot of these third world countries have that people are so quick to go to, which is which is great to help. Um, but the spiritual need there is is so great because people don't don't really see their lostness. Um, their Their grandparents, their parents may be involved in the Catholic Church. Um, so if you mention church or anything about religion, they automatically think Catholicism and the Catholic Church. Um, but most of people don't practice anything. And they, you know, their needs, they can get by day to day without really any struggle physically. So they don't necessarily see a big need. And um, when going there and observing that, it, it's, it's kind of heartbreaking because you see people who um, are nice, who are kind, who are friendly, but yet they don't necessarily see a need for Christ.
1: You know, when you hear this, the culture of what real Christianity brings survives on surface. In other words, kindness, doing good, helping one another. Uh, it always hasn't been that way. You know, uh, during the Roman Empire, uh, the spread of of Christianity, those men that turned the world upside down they not only turned it upside down for for Christ but the culture changed with it and sometimes the culture remains for a while while the 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 depth of what brought that culture Christ and and following him has diminished and even maybe non-existent in a lot of places, but the culture remains. But it will finally, guess what will happen to the culture? It will finally fail. Uh, I don't mean to be preaching, but we're seeing this in America right now. You know, we've had a culture that was based upon, you know, the society that God wanted to set up, even like when he gave the Ten Commandments and the law, I tell folks, yes, he gave it out there. When did he give it? Right before they were to go in and to be a nation. You know, this is how a nation. You got to have these principles practiced to have a nation that is that is civilized. And so, when you see the culture diminished, you you also see the undergirdings of it. And so, what we're talking about here is Portugal. And if you're listening, our guest today is Jack Hickey. Jack is a student minister here in in Mississippi, where our headquarters is. And I've asked him to come and share. And about Portugal, you spent five months there. Tell us a little bit about that five months. Were you working with a church or churches, or how did that work? So
0: I was working with an IMB missionary couple. That's um, the International it, Mission Board. Yes, International Mission uh, Board. The Southern Baptist Convention. Right. And so um, in Lisbon, Portugal, I worked with them uh, primarily on college campuses, uh, just getting out, just starting conversations with people. Really, my biggest job was just to go out and share the gospel. Um, it wasn't necessarily to go and lead camps. It wasn't to do anything um, of that nature necessarily, but it was to go and just talk to people, build relationships. Uh, Portuguese people are very um, relationship-oriented. They, they think very highly of relationships. And so um, being able to just build relationships with people and use that to share the gospel, that's that was my primary job there. And then I also helped with um, family ministry there that they were doing Um and it it was cool I worked alongside a couple the couple I worked with was Jonathan and Bethany Sharp and uh, they actually have ties in Mississippi which was pretty cool Um, so it, it was it was a neat experience getting to work there
1: when you you when you did just did you stay in the home of the missionaries, or did you have separate housing?
0: I know I, I'm getting. I just wonder. No, how I that had a, I had a separate housing. I actually stayed. Uh, There's another missionary couple there um, who is a part of a different organization, and they were actually back in the states for the time I was there, so yeah. I, I got to stay in their house. Oh wow! So that was pretty cool. That God bless me good. with that.
1: Well, how did the language your correspondence? Do, are they? I know they speak Portuguese, which right. is very similar to. Spanish is what I understand and uh, Brazil is a Portuguese speaking nation right. and uh, it's bigger than than, than Portugal right. itself but how did the language issue come up
0: um, language is pretty difficult at first um, I, I took Spanish in high school um, and I remembered a little bit but you know Portuguese is different uh, so I, I caught on to some basic phrases and was able to kind of communicate to get my to get around Um but luckily, most people there speak English. That's um, what I heard. So it was it was very encouraging to me, and they were very patient with me as a young guy who didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> um, so it was really encouraging just to be able to talk to people in English. Well, let's go to the church and the worship in
1: in the churches that you were involved in. Is it very similar to what you were used to, or is it more liturgical or? Tell us a little bit about the worship in the
0: church. Yeah, so the church I was involved with uh, was very similar to what um, I'm used to, except that it was all Portuguese. Um, but it was it was very very similar to what I used to, as far as um, worship, the style of worship, um, preaching. Um, it was it was a pretty cool, pretty cool experience. And yeah. well. I appreciate
1: that. And that have you been back or is that the only time you went? Did you go back with Hillcrest or another with another trip? So
0: I've been to Portugal three different times. Okay. I went uh, the first time in 2017. And then the following uh, spring, I went spring break of 2018, I went and then uh, started talking to the missionary couples there. And I was gradu- I actually graduated from Blue Mountain a semester early. I finished up classes. So I used that time to spend... Um, I left December of 2018 and spent through April of 2019 in uh, Portugal. So, did
1: did in your three different visits, did you grow more comfortable, not necessarily with the language, but with the culture and knowing what to expect? And and I know you did. Speak to the issue of a church and adopting, you know, a a, a country or an area, and. And developing that relationship. When you went back, I know they were new relationships, right. but you already had some developed, and you could build on those. Am I? Uh,
0: oh, yeah, exactly. And so uh, as I got back more, um, as I kept going back, it, the relationships of people I had met previously, um, I was able to rekindle those relationships and even you know start new relationships. And just being back on familiar territory and getting to encounter people who I've, I met there and getting to watch how they've grown and just growing with them. And the time I was there, being, being involved, partnering with a, ch- with a church, with a missionary couple, with people in another country, being able to work alongside them continuously really helps, and you, you see the growth. It's more than you, you really get to build some rapport, and you really um, get to just work alongside them and get a lot going. And it was really cool, to, because, because they are very relationship-minded, the relationships I built, I was able to grow those and strengthen those. And I I was messaging um, on Facebook, the missionaries I worked with, and they said, you're still highly thought of here, like the people still miss you. And I'm like, I miss these people. They're they're my friends, they're my family. And it's more than just, oh, there's some people I went, I went on a mission trip and that was cool, that was fun. It was, hey, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ that I've been working with. This is my family and getting to know them and getting to grow closer to them and with them and seeing them grow in Christ, There's nothing like it. It's so encouraging to be able to watch that.
1: And what happened, a group, now, when I was there at Hillcrest, a group went over in 2019 before Christmas, and this gave them the opportunity to, to sing and go to different places, and music is an awesome way to engage people. Now... You know and, and as a group, they did that, but it brought people in. I was amazed at hearing the testimonies of them going and how different ones singing and, and but But doing that, I think a group has to identify and see if you agree with this and comment on it, if you would. They identify the purpose they're going, but then they've got to identify how do we fulfill that purpose. You know, you just don't go and show up, but there's some things involved. And for the group that went in 2019, they was going to use music as a platform to share Christ uh, you, you just have to have a purpose, but you also have to have a way to to carry that purpose out, don't you?
0: Right. So, you, yeah, it's it's always you you have to have a purpose when you're going. If you go in blind, you know, uh, you'll be confused, and you can you can easily just waste a lot of time. And you know, going overseas, going really anywhere, you need to have the purpose of hey, the call, the Great Commission. That's 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 the goal, and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them all that Christ has taught us, and you know, going and making these partnerships in really going with that in mind the great Commission in mind that's why we go that is why missions is important um, that's why it's commanded of us and so as we go uh, with that purpose in mind we're able to uh, really see people drawn to Christ through that and it's, it's pretty amazing
1: let's let's draw this in from Portugal and what you're doing now and again student ministry has is is really involved in missions. Uh, and it's not just going on one a year, most of the student ministries that they're, they're developing and they're developing discipleship and they develop disciples in order to go on mission trips. In other words, right. you just don't sign up and say, "Yeah, I'm ready to go to Portugal right. there's some there's some I would say markers that you have to have in order to be able to go. That's very valuable in a student ministry that you have students they're yes they're eager. Yes, they want to go. They want to go experience something. But as a leader, you have to put some markers and say, if you want to go, you need to do this, do that. Uh, that's real important. In oh, it's ministry, absolutely
0: it? important. I, I like to think of it like this. Um, you don't just let anybody be a doctor. You, if someone wants to be a doctor, they're not just going to sign up and say, hey, I want to be a doctor. Someone's going to hand them a lab coat and say, here you go. And some, I'm not going to let anybody operate on me that hasn't had any training. Well, the church should have the same mindset of people who are eager to go on mission. Man, we've got to train these people. We've got to disciple them and prepare them to be able to go on mission, to send them. And that, that's been a lot of my focus is how do I train students? How do, how do you train students to carry the gospel out? And so having a uh, evangelistic mindset, having a missional mindset in your student ministry, in your churches, uh, is really key to being able to be effective in missions.
1: And if you do that locally, it makes it easier to do it internationally, doesn't it? Absolutely. And and so Hillcrest has several ministries, and I know that clothing and food and things like that, and the youth are involved in those as well. Right. And it's so important. So I'd love for you to speak uh, to that. Maybe that new. I, and I know you're relatively new. So Jack, <laughs> you can tell by his voice. If you saw his face, you'd know how young he was compared <laughs> to me. But uh, you know, what would you say to those? smaller churches that say well we don't have time. we don't have a full-time youth student minister and we all we have volunteers you can still have this discipleship format in program can't you absolutely and and uh, there's a, is there is there uh, opportunities are there is there material available to help uh, you know carry this out or do you just have to dig up on your own
0: I mean, there's there's obviously material out there. You know, there are um, companies that produce material as far as discipleship, and so if you don't know where to go, that's that's an easy place to start. But, uh, you know, I've always the way I've always tried to see it is be open to whatever God lays in front of you. And so if you're if you're constantly seeking after Christ, if you're if you're seeking after Christ, if you're following after Him, He's going to open up doors for you to serve. And it may be something small, it may be something big, it may be something short term, long term, whatever it is. But be faithful in pursuing after christ um doesn't matter what size church you have doesn't matter how long you've been in ministry if you're faithful in pursuing after christ he's going to open up doors for you to fulfill his mission because he's all about his glory and so when we're pursuing after god's glory and we're faithful in that god's going to open up doors for you to be able to serve locally internationally um, just all, anywhere so it, it's just be faithful
1: we, we call that being ready to seek and follow the Lord with those open doors, sometimes are windows, sometimes it's a narrow opening, but don't ignore it, you right, know, right. the possibilities and, and look at locally before you start looking at Portugal or or South America, like Ecuador or. Peru, start looking around your neighborhoods and see what needs to be done there. If you're not going to be a missionary there, I doubt if you're going to be a missionary elsewhere, you need to carry it out and do it. There's one other area that I really wanted to cover. Uh, uh, We've talked about Portugal and, and we've talked about student ministry. Right now, you're in seminary. Yes, okay. I am, sir. Okay? And I, I, some people don't call it seminary. They call it cemetery. <laughs> but it is a seminary, and seminary is after college, uh, young man or young woman, they want to usually uh, have their gifts more developed. Right. They choose to go. And you're involved, and, and it, it's the... The satellite, at, is it Blue Mountain It's College? at Blue Mountain,
0: yes. Uh, New Orleans has a satellite campus at Blue Mountain, so I go there uh, once a week and have classes. How many classes do you take on on that day? Uh, this semester I'm only taking one. Okay. Uh, but usually I take three classes a yeah. semester. Well, that's how I did it, yeah.
1: believe it or not. I Let me share with you. I was a part of the first group that ever did satellite learning hmm. uh, from a seminary, and we would go to Jackson, Tennessee, Union University, hmm. And we had seminary professors, now they did it live there, and now it it wasn't as much, you know, the possibility of having the technology for them to speak in there, but they would fly in and we would learn, and we had professors from several seminaries to come and learn, and it's a great learning experience. Yeah. And share with us a little bit. You went to Blue Mountain College. Did you major in Bible there, Jack? Uh, did Christian ministry. So. Christian ministry, and that was had to be great. It was awesome. And we've had your professors, two of the Bible professors, on exploring missions before yeah. to tell their story about what they're trying to do, and now we're having a student that... Did what they asked them to do, <laughs> but you're going on to seminary. Tell me this about seminary, um, as you as you go through it, and you're looking at more of a, um, I, I would say, a focus group of of what you're going to do. What has been so far? You're halfway through, close to it, right? Close to. It. Uh, that means you what have about thirty three hours, about, four, and got about
0: about forty hours, about forty so.
1: hours, and about that much more to go. Wow. So. <laughs> What has been the most meaningful thing and course that you've had in seminary? The reason I want to hear this, I want people who are there and they say, you know, I don't need to be trained. Uh, Yes, God provides. uh, God provides his protection, but you ought to wear your seatbelt. You know, right. God can help you, but you may need contacts or or vision. You know, you your faith is in the Lord. Tell me about seminary and one of the courses or the course that has really, you know, kind of helped you along so far.
0: Really, some of my favorite courses have been the languages. I know a lot of people are scared of Hebrew and Greek, um, but really seeing and studying the language that the Bible was written in, its it really is eye-opening because you read the English translations and... Some English words we don't have to express what the Greek and the Hebrew actually is trying to say, and so when you look at that, it, it just is amazing, and it's so much deeper than really you can kind of comprehend if you're just kind of surface level skimming through the English translations. So that's been cool, and just you know, just really, I've not really hated any of my classes. I've really actually enjoyed all of my classes. Um, being able to learn, and they've all been really useful. So I'm really thankful for that. You know, you're talking about the languages. This is why
1: translations, uh, they say, why do you have to have these different translations? I'm not going to say you have to have them. You know, Uh, I I have to say personally, I believe if they would invest more money in languages to get it into some that they need people that don't have any of the Bible in their language, it would be better stewards of God's money. That's just... That's personal opinion of Bert Mm -hmm. Harper. But when you start reading the difference, like in the ESV or the NIV or the New King James, King James, a lot of it's just like you said because we don't have the words, specific words in English, to carry out that word that's in Greek or Hebrew. Uh, I always use the word like believe or trust. The the Greek word for, you know, believing or trusting the Lord, uh, if we were to give it a literal translation— Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a noun that is active. Yeah. And, and it, really, it really helped me when I, I was taking that language. I wasn't as efficient in it as you are. Obviously, you enjoyed it. I survived it. But I still enjoyed it yeah. to see that and how it, you struggle to do that. But God used especially the Greek language. It's so uh, descriptive right. that you don't have to wonder a lot of times what it's saying in Greek, although it, translation sometimes is difficult, isn't right.
0: it? Yeah, and just one thing on that real quick. The, the, the languages have really helped me to see, um, you know, hey, this is, this is really what God's Word's saying. And it just gives me such an energy to want to carry the gospel to the nations Amen. and just gives me like, hey, man, there's so much life in this. And, you know, God gives us life and brings us life. And being able to take that to the nations is, is just an incredible thing.
1: Amen. Jack, thank you for coming and being a part of the interview. Well, thanks for having me. Praying for Portugal, asking God to bless them, bless student ministries everywhere to make a difference in their lives. Amen. And also those that are going to seminary and college preparing, God bless them. Thank you for listening to Exploring Missions, and may God use you. If you can't go to Portugal, you sure can pray for them. So pray for the nation of Portugal.